Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Adrenaline is high, the serotonin levels are increasing, you know what that means, it's college football season, welcome to a brand new season, the third of such for Believe in the Pac-12, I am your humble, gracious, exuberant host, Jonathan Rifkin, delighted to be with you for yet another season of Pac-12 football, bigger and better than ever, this is a special Week zero episode, we will officially kick off uh, about Thursday night, Friday morning uh, here this week, this being the last week of August going into September. We will have a new slate of co-hosts and panelists for you here on Believe in the Pac-12. Ryan Leaf, unfortunately, it breaks my heart to say it, Ryan Leaf will not be with us this season as a consistent host. He will be joining the show uh, occasionally as a guest, as an analyst. All sorts of great things happening for Ryan Leaf. He is just oh so busy, unfortunately, believe in the Pac-12. Had to be put on the back burner just for the time being. But Andrew Hobner from uh, Colorado, I guess he went to the University of Colorado. Andrew Hobner, who is a man who will begin co-hosting with me on the next podcast on Thursday, will join as a consistent uh, co-host He's he's really great, guys. He's the sports director at KEZI9 up in Eugene, Oregon, covering Oregon and Oregon State. He's a Colorado Buffalo. He's a big fan of Wyoming, um, and he is just a very personable, very fun, very intelligent guy, and I'm very excited to welcome him to Believe in the Pac-12 on the next episode. We will also be adding a third host, a more consistent host, uh, to be named at a later date, but... Before we get to this episode, 20 or so minutes, I want to talk about a few things. Um, the Pac-12 is 1-0, folks, in week zero. 1-0, feels good. Let's see if they can keep it alive. I'm not going to do much previewing of the next week because that will be for Thursday's show with Andrew. However, I will recap UCLA's dominant performance over Hawaii. Boy, I hope LSU fans... Don't get too big-headed because UCLA did show us some stuff, some real stuff. It wasn't just that Hawaii beat themselves and that they're a depleted team out of Mountain West. But uh, UCLA looks like the real deal. So I'm not going to go too much into that aspect of things, but we'll talk about what we saw out of them from this past Saturday's matchup against Hawaii. I want to talk about the alliance briefly um, and sort of the facade that the idea of the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the or rather the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12, um, sort of the facade that this, quote, alliance creates in the perception of the fan and of the media member as it pertains uh, to college football. Before we get to all of that, we would like to thank one of our sponsors, Bet Online, Folks, it's that time of the year again. And all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get updated odds, props, and contests, including uh, Bet Online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at betonline.com. You know, I'm going to be getting. 
uh, in on that Survivor contest. I don't want to spoil my picks. Now, maybe each week, maybe each week, I will share my, my picks, uh, spoil it for you, because uh, it's tough to beat me, but I want to help out our lovely viewers and listeners as much as I can. Head to the website or use the mobile app to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Thank you to Bet Online for supporting Believe in the Pac 12 and all of our podcasts on the Believe Podcast Network. All right, the Alliance. Before we get to UCLA, I want to touch on this a little bit because, again, there was a great article that came out in USA Today. They have uh, sort of this quote, woke. Spinoff News Network, they are the parent organization, um, but it's supposed to feature sort of the sociological effect of sports as it pertains to our world. And one of the headlines of the article about the alliance was the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 to save, save college football with, quote, vibes. And I think that that is the perfect way to articulate, folks, just uh, just what this is, right? Because think about it. Two days after this, quote, alliance was announced to the public, right? And all it really was was a bunch of fluff from the new president for the Pac-12, for Commissioner Warren of the Big Ten, who is now in his sophomore season, um, and the ACC, who has no idea really what to do because their talent, I mean, you think there's a talent discrepancy in the Pac-12. Go look at the ACC and the way that their rev sports are operating, even their non-rev sports over there. It's, it's quite fascinating how the ACC operates uh, from a C-suite perspective, but it really was just three conferences, two under new leadership, one that's sort of transitioning into a new era um, under the current leadership, trying to uh, steal the headlines back from the SEC, right? For two weeks, it was dominated by Oklahoma, Texas, leaving the Big 12 in 2025 to join the SEC. This is going to completely inflate the SEC. It's going to create um, a, an inaccurate perspective of the rest of the college football world because all of a sudden the SEC is dominating. Was it, was it not orchestrated by ESPN with TV rights? Is Fox trying to orchestrate a response with the ACC and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 needs a really big new media contract and this would separate, uh, excuse me, this would um, set them up for that? Maybe. Maybe that TV and capitalism and equity triumph morality when it comes to all of this. Because the truth is, is I think that we were losing a semblance of our conferences once the Pac-12 announced uh, Texas and Oklahoma were going to join, right? This was back in the early Larry Scott days and the Pac-12. This is nothing new, folks. Conferences announcing big programs transitioning uh, under their reign is nothing new. And if you remember in the early times of Larry Scott and the Pac-12, he said when it was the Pac-10, we are going to bring Oklahoma and Texas. We got Oklahoma and Texas, and they delivered Colorado and Utah. Nothing against both those programs. I absolutely love both those programs in their own right as it pertains to our conference. However, I think that the Pac-12 is now, and the Big Ten and the ACC are looking to take back the headlines because it's sort of, the narrative hasn't been so positive especially for the Pac-12, right? Nationally, the narrative surrounding this conference has been underwhelming, has been melancholic, has largely been um, a little bit more satirical than taken seriously. And the conference needs something. 
and and transitioning post Larry Scott era is is really a good way to start. But the conference needs something to get some positive headlines out there, to get some credibility. And the way to do that, I, that I guess, is to say, okay, yes, we are going to brand ourselves with the Big Ten, which does ostensibly well with their public image, right? Ohio State really helps out on the football perspective. Um, Michigan, in theory, is supposed to help. Wisconsin, in theory, is supposed to help. They're competitive. We're just, the Big Ten is competitive nationally every single year, highlighted by Ohio State with a, a program or two that emerges every single season. Last year's Indiana. Uh, we'll see if Penn State can reemerge. You, you understand the point in all of this, right? What I'm saying is, is that the Pac-12, and, and Clemson upholds the, the image football-wise for the ACC. We don't need to get UNC is going to help. Well, they're still in the youth of their football relevancy. Who knows how long that actually lasts once uh, Sam Howell departs for the NFL this upcoming season. Regardless of any of that, the Pac-12 at the bottom of imagery when it comes to the national perception. Heck, they're at the bottom of in- imagery when it comes to perception in their own conference. I mean, the UCLA game was a quarter, not even full. Right? Like, I don't care that it is week zero. I don't care that you're playing Hawaii. This is a UCLA football team. This is a UCLA program that is coming off of a lot of success from softball and baseball going back to the Final Four and losing on the crazy Jalen Suggs half-court three to make it to the national championship in basketball. Right? This, this is a rejuvenated UCLA athletic program, and for some reason, football has fallen at the tail end of that regardless. And part of that is UCLA's fault. Part of that is the fact that the football program has not been competitive in nearly two decades. Part of that is the fact the Rose Bowl is so far away from the actual fan base of UCLA in Westwood. There's all sorts of stipulations and context that need to be added to why UCLA isn't the brand that we would expect it to be in Los Angeles in the Pac-12. But really, the Pac-12 overall is just curtailing the wrong way, has been for quite some time. That was the transition that was made. That was why this transition was made from Larry Scott. It's still a bunch of fluff, right? Two days after the, quote, alliance announcement was released, we found out that USC had scheduled future games with SEC opponents, right? Well, that doesn't really sound like the uh, the tone, on tone with what we heard in the alliance, right? They said scheduling between the three conferences will begin as soon as palpable. Well, guess what? Two days later, it was palpable for somebody from the Big Ten, the ACC, to be put in that slot that USC filled with an SEC team, but they felt like it was better for them. Strength of schedule is still going to be very important. You're still going to see teams from these three conferences schedule SEC games. You are going to see teams not necessarily go on board with the the vision right that we're seeing from these three commissioners, which, by the way, is completely unclear. Are they merging? Are we, they not picking off each other's schools, right? Because all we heard was no merger is currently in the works. The Pac-12 has announced they are not adding programs at this time, and they have promised, or verbally promised, with the two other conferences that they will not poach each other's teams. The Big 12 is still up for grabs, by the way. The Big 12 is exempt from this whole alliance conversation. Obviously, they're not in it with the SEC because they got screwed over with Oklahoma and Texas. So the Big 12, for all intents and purposes, is just excluded. They're in the dunce corner. They're at the children's table. They're the lone adult at the children's table at Thanksgiving dinner when the big boys are trying to convert. Big men and women, we'll call them. Uh, they're trying to, uh, to converse about becoming bigger and better than ever, albeit in a competitive fashion. So I wouldn't get too wrapped up in this alliance thing, folks. I don't think the Pac-12, the, um, the landscape of, of the conference of the Pac-12 is really going to change within the next two, maybe three years. The biggest thing that's going to change is a TV contract um, that I think that is going to be leveraged because 
of the alliance. Again, this is all for appearance. This is all for image. This is all for fluff. This is to save face and to get some headlines out there. This is not a tangible change that's going to happen between these three conferences at any time in the near future. So I was excited about it at first. I thought about it a little bit more. I heard some rumors about teams being picked off by the Pac-12. I thought that could be interesting that they were having um, conversations in Fox production meetings amongst the higher-ups about who would fit where. Obviously, you need a president's vote. You need schools to allow Board of Governors to allow for these programs to be added. So TV is really... Um, the, the say in it, it depends on the conference, right? ESPN drives so much revenue for the SEC, it makes sense that they have a say in the conference alignment, in the membership of the conference. Right now, the Pac-12 doesn't make a ton of money from television rights. They also leveraged a $1.2 billion uh, television deal for a loan. They put it uh, on escrow a couple years ago when the pandemic began, I guess a year ago when the pandemic began, began because they were worried about the financial hole that they were going to face. And so there's all sorts of things that the Pac-12 has to do before they can move forward with any of this stuff. Um, so again, take it with a grain of salt. Don't worry about the other conferences right now. The Pac-12 needs to be successful this season. The Lions doesn't change anything. It doesn't add anything. It doesn't take anything away. Oklahoma and Texas in four seasons going to a new conference at this very moment doesn't take anything away. A lot of it is clickbait at this point. A lot of it is hyperbole. Don't worry. Don't get caught up on it. I don't really want to talk much more about the Alliance on the Believe in the Pac-12 until real tangible information has been released. Because at this point, I spent too much on it. I really just wanted to give a brief perspective. Um, and I think that the uh, mission has been accomplished on that. Before, though, before we move on to the UCLA-Hawaii recap to finish up our very special Week Zero Believe in the Pac-12. Season 3, folks, crazy. I remember pitching the show back to Believe as a desperate graduating senior at the University of Oregon, and it has blossomed into uh, one of my favorite endeavors as a media member in this world and as a sports fan, and I really hope that you enjoy it as well. UCLA destroyed Hawaii. What does that mean? Well, I'll let you know, but first, I want to... Let you know about some exciting news. Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sports we love the most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em at PlayActionPools.com. Then get your picks in each week. We're going to select 10 of the highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest with the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, football, pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, pick them, as well as cool sportsbook style concept called Build Your Bankroll, playactionpools.com. Your home for all your favorite office sports pools. Thank you to Play Action Sports for supporting Believe in the Pac-12 and the Believe Podcast Network. So there was a route in Pasadena on Saturday. A route that I think we all, well, the, the realism, not the people. First of all, hats off to the people in Louisiana. Really, really tough hurricane trudging through there this past weekend. Um, Want to give my prayers and my blessings. Uh, prayers, not blessing. Prayers to everybody out there um, who had to face just the, the tough 
tough conditions, um, especially as they want to enjoy the week leading up to their brand new college football season. So I have a couple of really close friends out there. Um, I've heard that everybody is safe for the most part, mostly just trees and uh, power lines have been down. But again, we want to wish all of our friends in Louisiana. Um, we hope that they're safe and, and we hope that you guys are able to recover uh, steadily from the damage done this past weekend. Uh, UCLA is not going to make it easy, though. It, they're not going to make it easy. And this game against Hawaii was really prevalent of that. Dorian Thompson-Robinson only threw the ball 20 times. Folks, I think we saw a rejuvenated Chip Kelly offense because in the preseason, I wish I had the soundbite. He was interviewed and he said, look, I innovated something and everybody else copied it. And, and now, you know, it's not new anymore. It's not fresh anymore. And now it doesn't even work at times anymore because when everybody starts doing something a certain way, eventually there's a counter to that, right? And when, once the counter starts to take effect, you get parity offensively and defensively. People have figured out how to stop the Chip Kelly West Coast offense to an extent. Or Chip Kelly has been unable to recruit the talent that he really needs to execute it in the way that he needs to to win consistently, to get back to that place of success that he saw at Oregon a couple of years ago, right? We saw a very different UCLA offense. We saw a rushing attack, a UCLA team that ran the ball 43 times for 244 yards. And by the way, Zach Charbonnet, six carries, three touchdowns, 106 yards, 18 yards per carry. He played at Oaks Christian. He only played, I don't know, about 30 minutes northwest of, not northwest, north, directly north of UCLA up the 101. In Westlake Village, Oaks Christian, historically one of the best programs Zach Charbonnet was one of the best running backs, a four-star coming out of the southern section, went to Michigan, had a really good freshman campaign, transferred to UCLA, and is doing a great job uh, in the post-Dexter Fowler era of running out of the backfield. He's sort of the shiny new toy, the Christian McCaffrey-esque player that you can run in all sorts of RPO formations, you can run the option with, you can put him out in the flat. He's not necessarily a guy that's going to block for you. That's Britton Brown's job, who still had 13 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown. But Zach Charbonnet is going to innovate the Chip Kelly offense to success. We're not going to see the ball being thrown 40, 50 times like we've seen in the past. We're going to see maybe 20, 30 times. We're going to see more RPO. We're going to see a playmaking running back be used, utilized in all sorts of different sets, and it's going to be very different for defenses that have been used to facing the spread offense, throw-heavy um, Chip Kelly system that we have all been accustomed to for so long. So I don't think that this rushing attack, folks, I know that the front seven for Hawaii was weak. I know the front line was bad, and um, poor Siobhan Cordero, that guy was being pressured. I mean, he had 47 passing attempts. He completed 25 of them, but he only averaged 4.7 uh, yards per completion. That's really bad because he was being pressured every single time. UCLA has NFL players on the defensive side of the ball, okay? Like, this team defensively, everybody's saying, well, you if if the LSU offense that we're going to see next week is rejuvenated after um, a pretty tough start last season, then they should be able to put more than enough points on UCLA. The thing is, is that UCLA defensively, I mean, this may be the best defensively that we have seen UCLA in uh, four or five seasons. They're really, really talented. They move really well along the line of scrimmage. They're not afraid to blitz. Mo Osling third is a really good anchor. You have Quantrez Knight. I mean, I don't see how this UCLA team, you look at this and say, wow. Oh, but by the way, Daytona Jackson, Jay Shaw. Jay Shaw looked really good. He had an interception, and he was just locking guys down. 
I really think that this UCLA defense is legitimate. I don't think it was because they were facing a Hawaii team that just like discombobulated and lost offensively. Um, and, and that brings me hope that they can compete. But you have to be able to reward yourself offensively. And, and I think DTR, man, everybody's talking about how DTR probably around a third to fourth round pick in the NFL draft. Some people have him as high as late in the first round. I don't know if I see that. But UCLA's offensive line has established that they are much better than last season. They're using DTR a little bit differently, where he's a little bit more controlled in the pocket, at least from what we saw on Saturday with the RPO. Um, that guy can throw as well. And again, 10 for 20, he only threw, he didn't have to throw the ball too much. 130 yards, one touchdown was easy. There was nothing too complicated that UCLA had to run offensively to showcase their talent. And that should scare some people, because especially in the first game of the season, I don't care who you're playing, when you're a team that... Um, is still progressing offensively from and building on previous seasons. And there's a lot of expectations riding on this team because, remember, they were in a bunch of games last last season. They almost beat Oregon. They almost beat USC. They almost beat Arizona State. This is a good UCLA team that should be building off of what was more than an acceptable season. So I was, I was happy with what I saw. I was happy. It, it brings me optimism. I think that UCLA is going to surprise a lot of people. I'm seeing a lot of folks having them finish in the bottom of their South, uh, the Pac-12 South in their uh, predictions. I mean, Arizona will probably finish last in the Pac-12 South. I love Colorado, man, but I just don't think they have it this year. So I'm not content saying that UCLA is going to finish. I like Arizona State. USC is going to be really good, we know. Um the South's good. The North is good, too. I mean, Cal is, is rejuvenated. Finally, Chase Garber is back and healthy. The defense, we know with Justin Wilcox, can facilitate defensively. Their backfield is is now in veteran mode and is, is pretty extensive. Washington has a chance at running the tables. Obviously, Oregon, which we'll get into plenty of over the course of the next few weeks. It's going to be a fun season, folks. It's going to be a really fun season in the Pac-12. UCLA kicked it off pretty phenomenally. If I do say so myself, a full year, hopefully a full year is back, maybe staring us in the face. Um, and how good would it feel? How good does it feel to have one game in the conference under our belts that we can sit here and pow out about? I think that's going to do it, though. That's going to wrap it up for our ex uh, exclusive and very special preseason edition of Believe in the Pac-12. We'll be back later this week. I am so excited, folks. Again, very sad. Very, very sad that Ryan Leaf will not be joining us as a consistent co-host this season. But, folks, I am could not express. I am so excited. I could not express my exuberance uh, for bringing Andrew Hobner on and then the amazing crew of guests that we'll be working with, as well as all of you following along with us for the rest of the season. Jonathan Rifkin, host and Believe in the Pac-12. Thank you so much to all of our wonderful sponsors and all of our crew at Believe. Your home for all of the professional takes on the sports that you love. We will see you at the end of the week. Enjoy the rest of your Monday or Tuesday, no matter how you're listening or where you're listening. Thank you so much for taking the time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.